0: Scripture reading this morning will be from Ephesians chapter five, verses twenty three through thirty three. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as Christ is subject, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it
1: It is good to be back with you once again we're thankful for all the prayers that have been offered on our behalf and for those of our number who are still out who are still afflicted whether it be with uh, the virus or with other uh, reasons we're praying for you and we hope that you'll be able to come back and be with us uh, soon one does. Leave our Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter five. I'll meet you there in just a moment as we talk about husbands loving your wives this morning. Uh, but I wanted to say something at the very outset. About three weeks ago, we were supposed to have a VBS debriefing meeting. It's hard to believe that it's been almost a month since our Vacation Bible School, but uh, I would still like to have that meeting. And if we can schedule that this afternoon at about five fifteen, uh, we just want to look at things that work well, things that didn't work well, things that we can improve for next year, Lord willing. Uh, but if you are not able for some reason to be at this meeting this afternoon and you had an integral part in Vacation Bible School, uh, you can uh, email me or text me uh, your comments, things that you wanted to say, things that we need to think about and revisit, and we'll be glad to take a, take a look at those things. Again, it just feels like we've been in the twilight zone for the last couple of weeks and uh, we're glad to be back and, and trying to get back in some degree of normalcy. We are talking about, as I mentioned, husbands loving your wives, and it's interesting to me, it's a fascinating thing to me. Then in a book about the church of Christ, Paul has so much to say about husbands loving their wives. You see, that's really what the book of Ephesians is all about, is what the church is supposed to look like, what the church is supposed to do. It is about the church that Christ purchased with his own blood. It is the place, the place I speak respectively, the people with whom God gives every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's how the book begins, chapter 1 and verse 3. And in a book all about how Jesus is the fullness of him who fills all in all and how the church is that fullness, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it's fascinating to me that Jesus is, or that Paul is going to spend so much time talking about the way that husbands love their wives and the way that wives are supposed to love their husbands. Isn't that strange? You see, Ephesians and the book of Colossians are two sides of the same coin, If Ephesians is all about the church of Christ, and it is, because you'll find references again and again all the way through the book of Ephesians about the church, the book of Colossians is the other side of that coin. It's all about the Christ of the church. Colossians exalts Jesus as the head over over the church and how we ought to look to him and how all things he has the preeminence. But he has some things to say to husbands and wives in that book as well. It's not nearly as extensive as what we're looking at this morning at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. And what Paul ends up saying towards the end of this section and talking about husbands loving their wives and wives submitting to their husbands, just like the church does to Christ, Paul says, I want to tell you, this is a great mystery. But really what I'm still talking about is The church of Christ and Christ and his relationship to the church when God created everything in Genesis chapter 1 and then he goes back and and, uh, in detail uh, shows what happened there on day two and God looked around at all that he created in Genesis 1 verse 31 and behold it was very good you remember and yet at the same time, when we go back and take a closer look at day six in Genesis chapter two, one of the things God noticed and one of the things that he saw is there was no like, there was no help meet for, for man. There was no, no being that God had created, no animal that God had created that was able to fill that position. And so God saw that it was not good that man should be alone. And what God did was cause a deep sleep to fall on Adam. You know uh, the account there in Genesis chapter 2 and, and pulled out a rib and from that rib made woman to be a helper for man. And God call, or man called her woman because she was taken out of man. That's literally what the word uh, woman means in Hebrew. And we find that God, in purposing the very first marriage and joining that man to that woman, so shall a man leave his father and mother and a woman and uh, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God purposed that relationship to be special, to be something that's great, something that's good. And you find that in marriage, husbands and wives' relationships is there to meet an emotional need. There are things, husbands, that you need from your wife, and there are things, wives, that you need from your husband. There's emotions that ought to be shared between you, and things that ought to be close that you're closer based upon sharing those emotions. It meets social needs. It meets the, the propagation of the species, if you like it. We're able to have children together, and there's there's things that that go along with with being two that become one. It meets physical needs. There are things in your life. God-given desires that God has placed in you that he's able to answer in marriage. It is not good that man should be alone. And you find that marriage meets those needs. And more than that, folks, more than the social or the emotional or the physical, there are spiritual needs that a husband provides for his wife and a wife provides for her husband. And that's what we want to explore this morning in looking at these things in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And I want to begin with this statement. Do you want a better marriage? And for those of you that may be unmarried, maybe you're too young or you're you're, you're not yet ready for a husband or for a wife, I want you to pay close attention because there's something we've got to say here about Christ in his church Maybe you're older. Maybe you have uh, lost a husband or wife. Maybe you're, you're no longer married. Maybe whatever, whatever reason, there's still something you can learn based upon the relationship of the way that Christ loves the church and the church submits to Christ that we can take home. But for those of us that are married, and for those of us who have a wife or a husband, or maybe are shortly going to be joined together, who are going to be married sometime soon, if you want a great marriage, one of the best things you can do and one of the best investments you can make in order to make your marriage stronger and make it everything that God wants it to be is to appreciate the relationship of Christ to the church. That's what this passage is all about. In a book all about the church in Christ, he says, this is a mystery. I'm talking really about Jesus and his relationship to the church and the church and his relationship to Jesus, but I'm talking to you husbands and wives about how you love each other. And about how you treat each other because it's the same way that Jesus treats the church and the church should treat Jesus let me give you two husband similes thinking back to English you remember similes are comparisons using terms like like or as and if you see a like or an as you know that it's not a metaphor because a metaphor is this is that but a simile is this is just like this Or this is just as this is. The relationship of Jesus and his church is just as, or ought to be just as, a husband and his wife. There are two of these in this passage that Brian read for us just a few moments ago. And to these two, we want to give our attention this morning. And you'll be able to pull and follow right along in the context. The very first one, how am I supposed to love my wife? How am I supposed to appreciate the blessings of God in my marriage? And how am I supposed to treat my wife? How am I supposed to love her? The very first simile he gives is you love her as Christ loves the church. Look at chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. What does that love look like, Paul? How am I supposed to treat her, Paul? What's the example, Paul? He says, just as. There's your simile. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. In this context, I find no less than four descriptors of how Jesus loves the church. And how husbands, we ought to love our wives. The very first one that I come across is that we ought to love our wives sacrificially. At the end of verse 25, he gave himself for her. What does it mean that Jesus gave himself for her? All I have to do is look back and see what Paul's already said about how Christ loved the church and how he gave himself for her there in the book of Ephesians. Take a look at what he said there in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. I just had to turn back one page in order to see it. I hope you're following along. He says, in him, in who? In Jesus In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and all prudence. Jesus gave himself. That word means to give oneself into the custody of another. Here I'm going to place myself under arrest and I'm going to put myself under the custody of the state. To deliver to custody, to be condemned or punished or scourged or be put to death. And you think about Jesus and how the book of Ephesians enumerates and how he took all the loss so that we could have all the gain. So he took all the curse so that we could have all the blessings. And how he took and he gave himself sacrificially. He took that personal loss so that we could have the gain. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins through the riches of his grace. Husband, how do you love your wives? How do you love your wives? If I ask you, would you take a bullet for your wife? Would you die for your wife? A lot of us would say, yes, absolutely, Andy. I've thought about that. If somebody was to break into my home tonight or if somebody was going to, do, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be right there guarding the way between my family and, and this, this, this intruder. It's great. You want to die for your wife or you're willing to die for your wife. That's, that's, that's a good thing. The question we would have to ask is, are you willing to live for your wife? you know, live for your wife. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You remember, husbands, whenever you knew that she was the one, and the standard traditional is that you give up three months' salary for that rock that she wears on her hand, hopefully, right? And you give up that amount. Why? Why would you do that? You would do that because you love her. And you want to show her that you love her and you want to show her that you're committed to her and so you're going to sacrifice for her. That doesn't stop once you say, I do. That sacrifice continues and as you continue to offer yourself and continue to offer uh, of your money, of of your means, of your time, of all those things that you give, do you give those things willingly and do you give those things joyfully? There's a danger that over the course of time, we stop treating that relationship like it's something to be sacrificed for. How long do you spend in the evening talking to your wife and realizing that's something that she needs and telling how the day was? And we say, well, I'm providing for her. You know, I, I, I provide, I, I work and I, I take care of the bills and I take care of all the things around the house and I, I sacrifice in that way, that's great. But money is not a substitute for an involved husband and father. And our wives need us to sacrifice for them, just like Christ sacrificed for the church. Notice this, number two. Separately, Christ loves the church separately. Verse 27, he loves the church separately, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, a glorious church, what God did with Jesus, turn back a page to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, what God did for Jesus is that as Jesus humbled himself, as Jesus went obediently to to die on the cross, what God did was he took him, this is all Ephesians or Philippians chapter 2, he all took Jesus and he set him in the heavenly places at his right hand. Through Jesus' sacrifice, God took Jesus out of this lowest position and he set him at this highest position. He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Chapter 1, verse 20. You see it? Look over now in chapter 2 and verse 6 of Ephesians. God took Jesus out of this lowest position and set him at his right hand in the heavenly places. What Jesus did for us is God raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ loves us separately. We are set apart. We're holy. We're special. We're for the purpose that we might shine his glory. But Jesus took us, he cleansed us, and he set us in this special position in him. That's the message of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. There's a beauty there of relationship, that there is only one body. There is only one bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 talk about that, that there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one body, there's one place where the redeemed are are existing. And that beauty of relationship is, is that Jesus cleansed us and made us his own. I watch from time to time on YouTube a channel called Odd Tinkering. Odd Tinkering. It's a guy that goes to thrift stops and you know, places and finds you know, junk items on eBay, things that are well past their prime and absolutely not working. And without speaking, there's no, language, there's no words. It's just the sounds of him working, and you see his hands kind of uh, moving things around and clean, uh, cleansing things, it's usually things I grew up with, you know, toys or that kind of thing. But it's this guy who takes these things from their junk state and he takes them completely apart and cleanses them from the inside out and he, he scrubs them and then he, he, he polishes and then puts them all back together at the very end and shows the difference. Here's the before and here's the after. Here's what you were before. Here's what I've made you. And I think about the relationship with Jesus and the church. And I think about the relationship between a husband and his wife. And how the husband in the beauty of the relationship, looks and takes satisfaction and joy from the fact that this one is the only one for me. This one is the one that I've made special because she bears my name. I'm the one that I would die for this one and I would live for this one. And you don't think about the flaws. You don't think about the other things that come with that. But you rejoice in the fact that that relationship is special, just like Christ and the church. How does Jesus love the church? He loves the church gloriously. Gloriously. The word glory is important for the book of Ephesians. And you find all throughout the book of Ephesians, the book glorious, that Jesus took this church, he washed it, he cleansed it by the washing of the water of the word, and he presented it glorious to himself. That means it's perfect in esteem, of high, repu- of high repute. And he says, without spot or wrinkle. One man observed this, that the spots are the things that are on the outside, the things that grow on the outside. The wrinkles are the things that happen from the inside. And you think about how negativity and fault finding can ruin a marriage. If you've taken this woman, husbands, and you've said, I want you to be my wife, I want you to be the one and only for me, and you have put her in the special position that she's going to be the queen of your heart for the rest of your life, why do we spend so much time looking around and saying, is that the way you're going to look? I talk about prelude to a war. You want to talk about difficulty in marriage, and her not feeling that way in the, in the relationship, like she's the only one, and that, 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 you've, that, that relationship is glorious book of Proverbs says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. In fact, the book of Proverbs would also say an excellent wife is a crown of her husband. And you look at Proverbs 31, that virtuous woman, verses 10, all the way through the end of the chapter, and he talks about how that woman does him good and not evil all the days of his life, and he rejoices in her and how she's something special to him. How he takes glory in the fact that he sits in the gates among the wise because of her and because of her relationship. Don't look for flaws in your marriage. As all Pollyanna said, if you look for the bad, you're always going to see it. You find disappointments and you find the hardships and you forget that that relationship is special and that relationship is beautiful and instead... We invest ourselves in negativity and fault finding. We're not going to have a good marriage. The consumerism of our day says, you don't like what you got, you go out, you get the newer and the better. That's not what God's design is for marriage. That's not the way Jesus, thank God, that's not the way Jesus treats the church. If you imagine Jesus getting fed up with us and just saying, that's it, I'm done with y'all, I'm going to go find somebody else. He's committed, we are his glory. We are the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That type of love is ought to transform a relationship. Can you imagine a wife who the husband truly appreciates, and the husband truly lifts up and says, "You are my crown." I can imagine more wives would love to hear that from their husbands. Can you imagine husbands? You go out and you sacrifice like that, and you treat her separate like that, and you treat her like she's your glory in that relationship. I can imagine that would transform marriage for the better because you're treating her like Jesus treats the church. Note this, number four, continually. Christ loves the church continually that she should be be holy and without blemish. Should be, that's a continual action. It's not a one and done thing. It's not a one time thing that he says, all right, I've cleansed you, that's it. Some husbands treat their marriages like that. All right, I made you my wife. Now you get busy doing whatever it is you're going to do. I'm going to do this over here. There is a continual treating of this relationship as separate, as special, as sacrificial, as a glory for the husband. Because that's what Jesus does for the church. In his promises, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Matthew 28 and verse 20. Lo, I am with you. Lord, is my helper, what shall I fear? What shall man do to me? I know that he's with me, and I know he's not going to leave me for somebody else. There's a continual nature to this beauty. Think about the song here on the radio sometimes, Louis Armstrong, you are so beautiful to me. And you think about the the emotion and, and listening to Louis Armstrong sing that song towards the end where his voice just breaks. And I imagine him as an older man, loving his wife, Loving somebody that deeply and realizing that the wife is more beautiful that day than the day he married her. There's a purity and a devotion based upon the visible sacrifice, love, treating that relationship as separate and glorious. That's just like Christ treating his church. Now, take a step back with me just for a moment. I'll take the step back. Y'all just stay where you are because otherwise you're going to hurt somebody. And I want you to look at these things Husbands, and as I looked at these things, I say to myself, self, I have a problem applying these things, rubber meets the road type of thing. Yes, as an ideal, all of these things are great, but what does that sacrifice look like? What is that treating that relationship as separate? What does that look like? How do I treat my wife as glorious? I've given you a couple of ideas, but still, I look at that and I go, (sighs) in some respects, it just doesn't compute as a husband. We're a little dense sometimes. I'll, I'll take the bullet for all of us. We don't always see things the way that we ought to. And I think, I think, don't know for sure, but I think that's why Paul doesn't stop here with just as Christ loves the church, but he gives us another simile to take a look at. So husbands, we can better get it, those of us who are dense. Again, chief among sinners. And the second simile he gives is this. You love that wife as your own body. You see it as just like there's the other simile. Love that wife as your own body verse 28. How do you love your own body? He's going to give you four things and they're there on the on the screen for you. You're going to love your body considerately. You're going to love your body considerately. Nobody ever hated his flesh, but he nourishes it there's consideration there that's given husbands you want to be a better husband you want to love more like Christ loves the church be considerate of her what does she want what does she need I can feel when my body starts getting hungry it happens right about now and I start feeling that pain in my stomach and I'm thinking the body needs this body's going to have to eat something pretty quick otherwise it's going to get hangry and I start feeling that, and what am I going to do? I'm going to go out, and I'm going to meet that need. Why? Because I love myself. Because I love my own body. Because I can recognize when it feels, and what it needs, and how it, how it needs to respond in certain situations. Husbands, you love your wife just as you love your own body. 1 Peter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, you need to dwell with your wives according to knowledge. We miss a great opportunity to consider her simply because, husbands, sometimes we don't ask, what's wrong? Or what do you need? Or what can I provide for you? Or what is there that she needs? You know, God has told us that if we pray for wisdom, he's going to give it to us. James chapter 1, verse 5 and following. We know that God is going to give us wisdom. When was the last time that we've asked God for wisdom to be a better husband? For wisdom to be able to love our wives just like Christ loved the church. When was the last time we've been able to ask God for wisdom or that we've asked God for wisdom in our prayers to say, God, help me to love my wife more as my own body. And sometimes we don't receive because we don't ask. What makes her really feel loved? God is going to give us the wisdom that we need in order to really help meet her needs. In fact, there's books out there that can help, that are full of of godly wisdom. Books like His Needs and Her Needs or the love languages. And what it's doing is it's building her up and building her by looking and seeing what kind of woman she is and then saying, this is what she needs. I want to feed that. I want to nourish her. I want to build her up so that she feels secure like Christ makes us secure. So that she feels loved like Christ makes us as the church feel loved. So that she feels glorious like Christ has put us and made us feel glorious. And like God has extended his riches to us through Jesus in the church. So we can feel satisfied in that relationship. God is going to, or man is going to love his body deliberately. No one ever hated his flesh. This is uh, all verse Uh, Twenty-nine. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it. And the second word he uses is cherishes. The word is to keep warm or foster with tender care. We don't often cherish things by accident. We just don't. Cherishing means I take this and I'm going to wrap it up because I realize this is something that she needs. Well, she ought to know. I've told her before that I love her. I've told her before that I care about her. Doesn't she see that I work, you know, 16 hours a day and and I try and provide this and this and this and this and this, that why doesn't she know that I love her? Because that's not cherishing. It's deliberate. It's answering what she needs with nourishment and how she needs it cherishing. You've treated her as special, hopefully for all these years. And that's not a one-and-done thing. It's continual, like we mentioned just a moment ago, with how Christ loves the church. It's not a one-and-done thing. It's an ongoing thing so that that relationship becomes more glorious. And she gets her needs met based upon how we respond as husbands. Husbands love their wives patiently. Patiently. No one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. How do you spell love? How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Spell love, T-I-M-E. Men, one of our biggest faults, I say faults, strengths in some respects, is that primarily we are problem solvers. We're problem solvers. We like to see where the problem is, and immediately go and try and fix it, yeah? Again, you, you know that there's a leak underneath the sink. You're going to go out, and you're going to get your crescent wrench. You're going to start uh, trying to take that thing apart and uh, unplug the leak and then uh, screw it all back together, get new joints or those things, because you know exactly what needs to be done. And yet, at the same time, one of the things that we need to understand is that's not necessarily what she needs, When a wife starts telling you about all the problems and all the difficulties in her day and the things that have gone wrong and the things that are continuing to go wrong, men automatically want to go, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? When that's really, in reality, not what she needs. And so one of the best questions we can ask, here's wisdom, gentlemen, is as she starts explaining these things, say, is this a listening problem or is this a fixing problem? Do you want me to just listen to this or do you want me to actually fix it? Because there are some times that my body hurts that I can just listen and say, okay, I don't need to sleep like that. That really hurts my shoulder. Or I just need to do those things and I can fix those things. When in reality, some things that hurt don't necessarily need a remedy. But it takes time, it takes wisdom, it takes patience to realize the difference between those two. How does a husband love his wife? He loves his wife like his own body, loyally loyally verse 30 we are members of his body Jesus of his flesh Jesus and of his bones Jesus but notice what he says there in verse 31 for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh as I get older I realize that there's ways that my body starts to fail me There are things that hurt more today than they did 15, 20 years ago even. And there are things that I wish I didn't have as far as pain goes, but you know what? There's never been a single time that I said, ow, this finger really hurts me. I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna take a hatchet, I'm just gonna whack it off. I'm going to chop it because it's hurt me so bad. Why do we feel like in the most sacred relationship, in the special relationship, just like Jesus and the church, just like man and his wife, that if a wife ceases to make a man happy or a man ceases to make the wife happy, I'm just going to chop it, sever that relationship. When what God says is you're no longer two, you're one. You see the reason why God makes such a point to say, I hate divorce, Malachi, I don't want divorce to happen. There is a relationship there that's special, that's sacred, that's loyal, that's just like Jesus and the church. And if we understand more about Jesus and the church, we understand what makes it most most contemptible to God that divorces happen. Because here's a man who's failing to love his wife just like Jesus loves the church or a man that's failing to love his wife the way that he loves his own body or a wife that's failing in her submission to her husband. We'll talk more about that, Lord willing, next week. What God wants of every single one of us is to appreciate more of the blessing of our marriage by appreciating more the blessing of Jesus and his relationship to the church. Because the truth of the matter is, if we want a great marriage, if we want a great relationship, what we need to do is not be looking less to the church and Jesus, but looking more to the church and more to Jesus. About the way our Savior perfectly loved us. And how the Savior took us while we were still without strength, while we were still ungodly, while we were still enemies, Romans chapter 5. And he reconciled us to God. He put us in a position where we can be one with Jesus. We're his body. We're his body. We're part of him. He's not going to sever us. But what we have to do is continually look to him and look to that relationship if we really want to appreciate what he's done for us. I thank you for your attention this morning. As for the family good, it goes all the way back to Genesis 2. As much as God purposed the family from the beginning, God purposed the church from the beginning. And the more that we understand and appreciate the blessing of God in marriage, the more we ought to appreciate the blessing of God in Jesus Christ and his church. You can be a part of the church this morning through faith, through obedience to the gospel. You can be baptized into Christ. You can put on Christ. As many of us as have been baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ, Galatians 3, verse 27. We can be added to the church, added to the body, Acts 2, 42, Acts 2, verse 47. We can be put into Him this morning. We can have this special relationship with Him. But God, give us grace in our marriages, husbands, to be more like Jesus to be more like his example and how he loves the church. And one of the best questions for application is I step off the stage to ask is, go home today, visit with your wife, visit with your wife this evening before going to bed and say, honey, how am I doing? Do you feel loved like Jesus loves the church? How can I improve loving you sacrificially, separately, gloriously, continually the way he does? And then do it. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's stand and sing our invitation song.